0: Welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. In my 25 years of sales experience, I've managed some of the most prestigious accounts in the world, negotiated multi-million dollar deals without sacrificing relationships, and built successful sales organizations where folks were knocking down the door to be a part of the rich, fun culture we created. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Each week, I'll share strategies you can take with you to invest in your people in a way that redefines the fabric of your sales organization and your company as a whole. I have an arsenal of tips and tricks up my sleeve and have a decorated sales career to leverage. Let's get started. Good afternoon. Welcome to the next episode of Heartbeat for Hire, and we are very lucky to have our next guest, Craig Dowden, today. Craig is going to put the science behind what I love so much, heartbeats and not headcounts. So without further ado, I'm going to give you a little bio on Craig so you know who you're listening to. So Craig Dowden is a PhD, a certified positive psychology coach. He has a doctorate in psychology with a concentration in business, Great combo. An engaging and inspiring coach, Craig partners with leaders and executives from diverse industries and sectors to work on their most important challenges. In his role as trusted advisor, Craig integrates the latest findings in the science of leadership, team organizational excellence in his coaching and consulting work. He is a best-selling author, executive coach, award-winning keynote speaker, regular contributor to Forbes, Financial Post. HuffPost, Psychology Today, and Financial Times, and so much more. Welcome, Craig.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Lindsay. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. I know we have a lot in common. so We
0: do, we do, <laughs> and I was just so excited when I saw that you were going to be a guest because, as you know, I'm so passionate about compassionate leadership and culture and making sure people have an environment they can thrive in, and so to have somebody who's a doctorate in this and who speaks about this so articulately? What a thrill for this audience! So, I would love to know what sparked your interest in this in the first place.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, and uh, and it's such an important question and ties in beautifully uh, with the setup and 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 your passion because one of the things that I was really excited about, I just love human behavior. I've been fascinated mm-hmm. by human behavior, and then when you integrate people, individual personalities into businesses, organizations that have personalities. It's a fascinating combination. And then as I was getting into the coaching work and the leadership development work and further into the science, I found in conversations that people were, they almost had this either or approach to it, right? I can have a compassionate culture, as you talk about, and you're so passionate about. And then the results have to be sacrificed for that and then other people would say well i'm going to drive results and then in order to get those results then you know how i treat people that that's out the window like that's it can be, it's a nice to have but not a must have and so i was really passionate around the the research and the the volumes of of studies that have been conducted that show well no when you create those caring cultures that you and your listeners are so passionate about <laughs> then you drive exceptional business results. And so they're not, yeah, exactly. They're not in competition with one another. They're actually perfect complementary partners. Ah. You need both of them to to play. And then those top organizations are the ones that really excel in those. And so that to me was just all the motivational fuel that I needed to, to really dive in and then have this beautiful opportunity to engage in conversations like this with you, Lindsay, like-minded individuals who are passionate about it and to share that message, so.
0: God, that, that is just music to my ears. And, you know, I focus a lot on sales and in sales, the biggest mistake I see is you have a rep who knocks it out of the park, they crush their numbers and the company wants to magnify that. And they say, great, we'll make them a manager. And that person probably, likely, often doesn't care about anybody else besides themselves. So you're putting this person in a leadership position. They assume that means I have power. I guess I can make people do things that I want them to do without thinking like, no, let's forge connection. Let's create an opportunity for you to thrive. And it's like that piece is missing. And those people manage up really well. So they don't necessarily know how bad it is in the trenches, and it just keeps going and going and going. And it's such a lack of creativity, and it's a lack of asking people what they need. So,
1: You're so right. And and to build on that, because you're raising such an important piece that happens time and time again, that you get an exceptional individual contributor, and then you say, oh, okay, well, now we need to, quote unquote, reward them by putting them in Mm -hmm. positions of leadership. And it it harkens back to the classic Marshall Goldsmith book, which I think the title is just brilliant, right? What got you here won't get you there. And <laughs> so you have to shift that focus, And I love what you're talking about that because then when people get into these positions of power, then, oh, well, I'm just going to empire build for myself and or the other thing that often happens, and I see it all the time in my coaching work in particular, is that people have been successful as an individual within an ecosystem. And then they blindly start to say, "Okay, I need everybody to basically do what I did, remove any kind of creativity, any emotional connection. Mm. And then in fact, they lose the power of the diversity yes. of the talent, skills, experiences on the team because they are absolutely consumed with, well, I need everybody to be just like me and do it exactly in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so we ju- you just miss so many opportunities to be successful as a collective. And just because you can be great individually, doesn't mean you're going to be a great teammate, and most importantly, lead a high-performing team.
0: Oh, my God. So we just talked about a whole bunch of challenges, but I know you see others. So what are some of the other challenges you see with leaders today?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and what's really interesting, I have such a privilege to speak to a lot of fantastic chief executives, and remember speaking to someone, and, and, and they were saying, We are facing challenges today that just a couple, like if we met a couple of years ago, recorded this right a couple of years ago no. <laughs> things that we would have said could you have imagined what we're going through right now so no. pre-pandemic versus now in the pandemic as we turn the corner so leaders today are facing challenges they've never faced before there is uh, so many people are going through their individual circumstances there's so many mental health demands on right. people And so now what's happening is, and there's so much information and things are shifting so quickly, there's a huge emphasis on being agile, adaptable, and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, saying, I don't know, I'll get back to you. Do other people have things to say? And for leaders who can have this mistaken assumption that, well, I've got to have all the answers and I've, I've figured it all out. This is exactly your your <laughs> ah. no and it's just a whole whole new world. And then to your point, which which I love, and again, I'm thrilled that we're we're here today talking about this because and now what the situation demands and into the future is a compassionate culture mm-hmm. and leaders who know how to connect emotionally and fully appreciate the wholeness of each individual human being on their team. And for those that have not done that before, that's incredibly challenging to do, especially in the midst of a global pandemic. So this is what I find is really tough for leaders uh, is Uh, to, okay, how do I show up in that way? And by the way, manage all the things that I'm dealing with personally and professionally. So it's certainly, there's never been a more challenging time to lead than right now. So I'm,
0: you hit on so many things I want to talk about, but one of them, um, I notice, especially in sales, that you see these leaders with this mentality, I've been doing it this way for 10 years. I've been doing it this way for 15 years. I know how to do this. And everything around them has evolved and they haven't sharpened their skills and they haven't taken a class and they're asking everyone
1: around them to do that, but they don't do it. Do you see that too? for sure and 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 what's really and there was a fascinating study coming back to the research that was put out where they showed that managers leaders executives that had a mindset around okay well I can't wait to get back to the way things were <laughs> they and their teams were the oh ones that struggled the most because we change is the only constant is the constant constant and it's not going to slow down it's only going to get faster And to your point around people going, well, I've done this for 20 years. This is the right way to go. This is the only way to go. There are so many examples of leaders and organizations that refuse to listen to the data, to the market, to their customers, to the stakeholders, and then just kept blindly following what they thought was the right path. And, and they are no longer in business or they've had a significant negative impact. Yeah. And if you look at the the top selling leadership, business, self-development books on the market today, Adam Grant, New York Times bestselling author, Wharton professor, think again, his latest book. <laughs> Ed Hess, I love the title of this book. Humility is the new smart. You took right. the words right out of my mouth. I was just going so to humility. Oh, right. I love this. So it's, you know, uh, Ozan Veril, think mm-hmm. like a rocket scientist. It's all around continually questioning our thinking. And and I love Ed Hess, one of the quotes in his book. He said, you know, the old smart, and I had the pl- privilege of speaking with him. He said, the old smart is the new stupid.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, it is.
1: It's just, it's so important for us to continue to want to grow and evolve and be flexible in terms of how we approach things.
0: I want to talk about humility for just a second, because I experienced this. I was in a really toxic culture and I had a a boss who um, didn't trust me, didn't trust the team, didn't believe that I knew what I was doing and thought my EQ was very strong, but those are soft skills and irrelevant. Anyway, um, one of the things that I did as a result of her critique was I went and asked each of the reps on my team, how can I be the best manager for you? And when you verbalize that, that is a very humbling question. You are admitting you don't have all the answers. And guess what? Nobody does. But the truth of the matter was everybody gave me a different response and they had different needs. And It was just like you don't parent your children all the same. You you can't manage all your people the same. They're going to have different experience, different tenure, different age, different career aspirations. And you have to, as a leader, be responsible enough to find out what that's all about. And I'm just really intrigued by the fact that you brought up humility. What role
1: does that play for the successful leaders that you see? It's absolutely of paramount importance and thank you for sharing your personal experience because it just maps out so beautifully with my own coaching work. And what I love too, again, back to the to the research, right? When you survey employees and say, what qualities do you want in your leaders? Essentially, humility is pretty well at the top of the list, because if you're dealing with a narcissistic, self-centered boss, well, guess what? They're going to empire build. It's all about them. And humble leaders shine the light on their team members. They create an engaged environment for them where they can be at their best They're not threatened by it. They encourage it. The really fascinating and darkly humorous counterbalance is when you ask leaders, well, what qualities are most important to your success? humility is at the bottom. They basically put it at the bottom of the list because they're afraid it's going to be weakness. And what I love about what you're sharing and based on your experience, which is so powerful, is when you ask people, hey, how can I serve you better? What are the ways that I can show up and be my best? Well, rather than diminish their respect for you and their confidence in you, it elevates. And they actually really want to engage with you and be more involved. And they're much more likely to give it their all rather than, again, if I'm an arrogant person, just go do it this way. It's like, fine. All right, if you want to. The part
0: I didn't share was they immediately turned and said, what can I do to help you? How can I make you successful? Because I don't really like how you're being treated. And I didn't expect that at all but it, it created this opportunity for trust. And it, you know, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't, I mean, it might've happened, but asking that question really kind of opened the door wide.
1: And talking about building a compassionate culture, right. (laughs) Like, and, and a really uh, engaging culture. And, And it's so fascinating. Like what's one word that we hear all the time. Right. And, and, and in sales in particular, accountability, accountability, right. We need to drive accountability. And then uh, what's fascinating is I remember speaking to Marshall Goldsmith about this. He said, you know, we leaders expect people around them to be accountable. Yet when did they demonstrate accountability? For example, when's the last time that you apologized for mm-hmm. something? Right. And we all make mistakes. We all make missteps. We're human beings. Yeah. When's the last time you asked for feedback? And if we're not leading by example, then how can we possibly expect people on our team to do it? You know, well, it's good for you, not for me. That just isn't the recipe doesn't for work. Performing, performance it doesn't culture.
0: work. Yeah, gotta be willing to push the broom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> everybody. So, okay. So I want to pivot a little bit because you just launched a podcast. So I want, I want folks to hear about that because you've got words of wisdom that so dovetail so nicely on what I talk about. So tell us about that.
1: Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, that's, that's wonderful. So the podcast is called do good to lead well. And this was, that is the title of my first book. Yes. And in the work that I do and in advance of the launch of my first book and even uh, with and at the beginning of COVID, um, I have the profound privilege to speak with top CEOs, best-selling authors and TED speakers, mm. many of whom I mentioned earlier. And so it, it's such a joy to have conversations like this. Yes. And so what I wanted to do was open it up to a broader community. And so within that podcast series, now I will, so Ozon Veril as an example, nice. uh, I, I have, have an hour conversation around how we can rethink our thinking uh, and how to think like a rocket scientist. So I love having the opportunity to share these personal conversations with top thought leaders mm-hmm. and so that we can figure out how we can do good to lead well and we can build positive relationships, positive community, positive conversations, which I know you're passionate about. So yeah. for me, having that just absolute good fortune to be able to now open that up to a broader audience was was really inspirational for me.
0: Oh, I love it. I, I will be subscribing as soon as we're done here. That's that's awesome. And you have a new book coming out in September?
1: Yes, that's right. Yes. mid September 13th is the official launch date. <laughs>
0: and that's called a time to lead.
1: Yes, it's called a time to lead uh mastering yourself so you can master your world and and the first book do good to lead well the science and practice of positive leadership i focused on six pillars of positive leadership based on the science. And what i was looking at was i would say when i describe it it was kind of like 75% was around how you lead other people. Mm-hmm this book, A Time to Lead, is very much around self-leadership. So Mm. great leadership starts with great self-leadership. And so what I wanted to do in this book is almost take, have them as two overlapping Venn diagrams. And in this book, 75% is all around, well, how do we lead ourselves? What are the key, what are the critical leadership qualities based on the latest science that we need to follow and develop in order to be successful. And then how do you translate those ideas into practice? Because sometimes, and this is an absolute valid criticism of the research sometimes, is that, well, it's an interesting idea. There's lots of great data around it. What do I do with that? How do I turn this into day-to-day practice? So that was, for me, the primary motivation in this book.
0: Oh, cool. And the subtitle, I want to go back to that. It's mastering your mastering yourself. That's what you say. Master so you can master your world.
1: Yes, it's mastering that- yourself so you can master your world. And and I intentionally broke yourself into two wor- words <laughs> because okay. and, and even uh, going back and forth, there's people will come back and go, I think you made a mistake here, Craig. Right. <laughs> and it was really around. Uh, for a couple of things. Number one was to take a step back. So the more that we can, so Ed Hess, who I mentioned earlier, I love one of his his comments, his quotes is, you know, you are not your ideas.
0: Mm. And
1: so my ideas are out there. They can be debated and talked about and criticized whatever. It's not me, It's not my identity. And so in breaking yourself into two w- words, it was really around stepping back from ourselves mm. and looking at things with a, a, a critical lens and, and being mindful or reflective lens. Because sometimes, you know, we can give far better advice to other people than what we can give to ourselves because we're so emotionally so invested true. in that conversation, and one of my favorite quotes is, "You know, take my advice because I won't use it anyways." And uh, <laughs> that's great. And, and this this book is real around. Let's take a step back and look at ourselves, kind of almost yeah. like in the third person. And then the second piece was around mastering yourself, and I chose mastering because really and 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 this is very much a part of uh, who you are and what you're about and what you're passionate about. This is a lifelong process. This isn't about hey, one day we do this mm-hmm. and it's over. It's every single day. So I wanted to really focus on the mastery and mastering in particular wow. because this is every single day getting out, practicing it, developing it, learning, shifting and growing.
0: Mm. It um what you just mentioned it it harkens back to a conversation I've been having a lot of lately around personal branding. And if anyone in, you know, the corporate world does, did not get this memo and they think that they are their job. And so their LinkedIn profile says I'm vice president of operations, or I am director of business development or whatever it is. And I had to learn this because I got out of corporate and became an entrepreneur. And I'm like, well, I'm, not a title anymore. So who the hell am I? And so, you know, being able to figure out you are a multifaceted, you know, dynamic human and guess what? That's what people are interested in. They don't just want that one piece. They want the whole package. They want to know what do you like to do in your spare time? What's your favorite food? Do you have a dog? I mean, that's what makes you attractive to people. It makes you human and flawed and People like a good comeback story and someone to root for. So, yeah, pretty. You're
1: absolutely, you're absolutely right, and it's all around. And we all have strengths that we bring to the table, and we all have our own interesting quirks and our own challenges and our own ways of work looking at the world. And that is awesome. Like bringing all of that together is fantastic. And then to your point, I mean, and in the work that I do with lots of large size organizations, medium size. You can have, as you say, VP of Sales. Mm. Okay, so you can have the the tactical, like the details around what that role is. Sure. And then it's a wildly different experience. And then also, depending on who sits in that role within that company, and as you shared, you can have a really horrific environment, right? Mm-hmm. Created, or you can have an amazing peak performance situation, yes. and that is very much predicated on who. The person is. It's not their pedigree. It's not the this. It's who are you? What are you about? What do you value? And how do you want to show up every single day?
0: I mean, I imagine you have heard the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of leadership styles. Is there any one person that has kind of captured your attention from a really positive leadership perspective? I mean, I would have to envision, yes, there is a few because of all the research you've done, but anyone that sticks out
1: well, I have to say, um, uh, and, and and I was so blessed to be able to collaborate with him on my latest book is Alan Mulally, mm. the former CEO of Ford Motor Ford, Company yeah. and, and Boeing commercial airplanes. And Alan, I mean, he spent, he's had an incredibly storied career, you know, Time magazine, person mm. of the year, all that kind of great stuff, CEO of the year. Uh, He engineered a turnaround at Ford where their stock price was a dollar or so when he took over. And then when he left, it was 1837 or some incredible uh, shift. And he did it through. And and you'll love this, right? It's the working together management system. (laughs) And everything was around that everyone is valuable, we all have a role to play here. And, and I love this. He said, you know, you never make a joke at someone else's expense, because yeah. people go along to get along. So we respect is is a primer is a foundational, you cannot take someone to task, you don't yell at people, you don't talk down to people, we all have an invaluable role to play. He applauded when people, so he had it a brilliant uh, color-coded, it was a business plan review. And so people had to show up. So at a sales meeting and say, okay, here are the green accounts, which means all systems go. Here are the yellows where mm-hmm. mm, it's a little off, but I think I've got an idea how to turn around. And then the reds being, we're just, I'm lost here. I don't know how to get them back. They're ghosting me or whatever. Yeah. And what he would do is he would applaud the Reds, and he said, "All of us have challenges, so let's get them, and we're all responsible together yeah. to be able it's, to figure this out. It's, it's not on you."
0: Yeah, it's embracing the failure and learning from it, and uh, you know that's such an important opportunity. Um, I, I think the leaders that kind of berate you over your your foolish blunder, you know, you're going to beat yourself up enough you don't need somebody else to do it for you. The yeah. The right leader is going to say, okay, well, what can we do better? And why didn't that work? And maybe there's another way. So let's take the parts that did and build on that. So yeah, I, I, I get that. That's and you're so right, Lindsay. And,
1: and we're all in this together, right? So how do you yeah. build a compassionate culture? Well, we're all in this together and and so and we're all going to have some challenges every single one of us and the faster they get to the table the quicker we can start to dissect them and figure out what we got want to do and then and then the faster we can get the right people to jump in and start to problem solve well we're all going to succeed and so the fact that Alan was able to do that into global, right? I mean, Boeing, I mean, (laughs) pretty well every plane in the sky, Boeing and Ford, massive, very global uh, uh, auto auto manufacturer. And so the fact that, because sometimes in the work that I do, people say, oh, well, compassionate cultures or positive leadership, that's nice in a smaller boutique or, Mm -hmm. you know, an entrepreneurial firm or maybe mid-market. And for me, the fact that not only did he bring these into mm-hmm. two globally recognized brands, some of the most well-known, respected brands in the world, it was unbelievably successful, right? And everybody bought in. And they had incredible engagement scores when he left, I think in the 90th percentile. And when he came in, they were really, really struggling. So this is not just feel good, you know, touchy-feely, let's be soft. This drove, as I mentioned, share price and an exceptional uh, employee experience.
0: I, 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 for the audience, I'm just going to repeat kind of what, what Craig just said, because this is not just for little tiny boutiques. This is, these are massive companies that did a full turnaround and their stock rebounded because of their behaviors. So for anybody that thinks this is a nice to have still, in case you didn't get any of my last hundred memos, <laughs> it's, it's not a nice to have, it's a must have. And the power has shifted to the people so if you're not doing it, they will go somewhere where, where the leaders are. And that's, that is the, the thing that I think both of us are trying to teach leaders when you can recognize you can get the same results in a compassionate, kind way. Well, maybe it's not the same results. Maybe the results are better.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) But, you know, when you just beat people up and yell at them, they're not going to be motivated. They're going to be stressed. They're going to be anxious. And I I use this example all the time. I had a boss who said, I don't like how you showed up on that call. I don't like how you represented us. You didn't do a good job. And don't do it again. Well, how do you think I did on the next call? Right. I sucked. I was horrible. I was stressed. I was anxious, I wasn't relying on my sense of humor, I wasn't relying on my instincts. Now, had they said, how do you think that call went? Exactly. Eh, I didn't love how I did it. Well, what can we do to make it better? Can we role play? Would that help? What do you not have information on? Where? Who can I pair you with so you can get what you need? Because you got this. Same expressed you know, concern, but just done in a much kinder way. And you're gonna get better results and you're gonna maintain that trust and and that's the point.
1: So well, exactly. And then you're inspiring, and it's a great example, right? It's a it's a beautiful example because if you're just shutting someone down and basically criticizing right out of the gate, like then they're just going to want to exit the conversation that's as it. quickly as possible, feel that's terrible. It. And then what have they learned? Okay, I did it wrong, maybe for my boss. And there's no information sharing. And I love you know the questions, right? how do you feel it went? What could yeah. we have done differently? And even if they came back, and this is a fun discussion I have with with leaders and executives I coach, if they said, hey, I thought it was the best sales conversation I've ever had, then not to pile on and say, well, no, that was terrible. Not really. I mean, but... Hey, okay, tell me more. What do you think? And then well, if, well, we, yeah. if we have information that we feel like, you know what, this wasn't a great one, then we could throw that into questions right well how do you think they felt or what do you think they took out of it when this was discussed oh (laughs) and then it really is a teaching moment again it's a compassionate moment it's a collaborative moment and now rather than well I'm going to tear someone down we're going to figure this out together or as the executive
0: that person's going to rise up that person's going to die on the vine for that leader who took the compassion with them
1: well, you're so right. And then, and the leader might learn something because then the person may say, Oh, well, blah, 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 blah. And they knew something about this particular prospect as an example. And then you go, Oh, that totally makes sense to me because my information is limited. So, in pro- approaching it as a human conversation, an open conversation, I love how you framed it. Uh, Lindsay is a a curious conversation Mm. through questions. Mm
0: -hmm. That's
1: the path to to success.
0: Mm. So can we shift a little and talk about feedback? Because I know you talk about feedback in your book and you talk about receiving feedback, but you didn't talk about giving feedback. So explain that.
1: Yeah, well, and uh, I have to Doug Stone who wrote, uh, so for any of your listeners, he wrote, the book on conflict, uh, Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most, international bestseller, just Mm. absolutely extraordinary. He wrote an amazing book called Thanks for the Feedback. And when I had the great fortune of speaking with him about it, he said, you know, there are tons of books, tons of webinars around giving feedback. Mm. (laughs) Lots. What is out there about how do you receive it? And then if you're going to be giving feedback, coming back to one of your points earlier Lindsay right about modeling that well how are we when it comes to receiving it so self-leadership great self-leadership is understanding well who we are and how we come across to other people so in order for me to get access to the best quality information I have to learn how to receive feedback. And there are a lot of different barriers that can get in the way for me hearing the feedback that people are providing me. And also, and I love the example that you provided earlier as well, in terms of the types of questions we can ask in terms of you know, to get the best quality feedback as well. And so that's really the emphasis once again around self-leadership so that we can set the stage so we are in maximum position to hear what's being said and then also put ourselves in the best position to create an environment in which that people will be willing to give it to us.
0: Mm. So well said. And you're right. There's a million books out there on I'm giving feedback, so receiving it. What people need to understand: it's a gift. And even if it's done in a rotten way, it's still a gift. And I, you know, I I was fired once from a job, and as as it was never part of my career path and never something I planned for. And anyone that knew me was like, "That doesn't happen." What are you talking about? But it was a gift because it set me up for this next chapter of my life. And even if it hurts. Take a breath and think about what it is they're trying to say. Maybe their delivery was bad, but there's something in there that you probably need to hear. It's, 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 tough. it's
1: such it's such a brilliant point that you're making. And Ken Blanchard famously said, "You know, feedback is the breakfast of champions." Mm. And 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 one of the things uh, <laughs> I remember talking to a workshop participant. I think I put this in the book as well, where, where they said. If feedback is the breakfast of champions, why are so few people excited to join us for that meal? <laughs> so I'm like, that is All right. That's so right. Oh, and the, And the point you made though, which is so important, is that sometimes or oftentimes we can dismiss the feedback because of how poorly it was delivered. Yep. Yet the you know that we miss now because we just say, oh well they we delivered a the nugget. It yeah, that's right. There can still be a nugget there and it's essential not to throw that out because the delivery was poor. Yeah. And so when I spoke to Doug Stone as an example, you know, one of the things and then he sa- shared with me, you know, one of the barriers is that we can start to look for what's wrong with the feedback so I can dismiss mm-hmm. it, right? Throw the whole thing out. And you and you identified a perfect one, right? Oh, it was delivered in a mean way, so I'm not going to listen. Mm-hmm. And then he had this brilliant question which I share with with my coaching clients which is ask ourselves what's right about the feedback. And then that can be, and as you say, that's where the gift can be. And especially Mm -hmm. when it's tough. And I encourage people when they receive feedback, that's really difficult to hear, spend longer with it. Because there is probably this maybe, it's not guaranteed, yet it's likely to be a blind spot that we have. And, or it's tied up into our identity. Mm -hmm. So I've had people who, you know, uh, someone has said, oh, well, they're angry about something like they come across as angry and they can react really negatively. And what's happening is they're so passionate about something Mm -hmm. that it does come across as anger. Yeah. And then with armed with that insight, when they get, when they turn the corner around that, and rather than react to the label, listen to the message, now, what they do is come in and go, hey, I'm so excited about things that I can sometimes sound angry, yes. or I'm 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 being confrontational or combative. Yep. That's not at all my intention here. If I show up like that on a one-on-one in, or in a team meeting, raise your hand because this is not back to compassionate environment. This is not the environment I want to create. Well, and I need your help because this like is how said- I tend to show up
0: like you said, taking that time to marinate, like if you have to write the angry email, write it, leave it, don't send it. Don't even put an address in the top, get it all out, walk away. Some people say, wait 24 hours, at least wait an hour for Pete's sake, but wait, take a breath and then sit and say, okay, well, why did I get this? And why did it hurt so much? And what would be the real gift is to go back to whoever gave you the feedback and say, I got what you were saying. I didn't love the delivery, but I understand the point behind it and it hurt to hear it. And I can do better on this. Now, that person that gave you that wretched feedback that hurt so much is going to be like, whoa, that I didn't know I hurt you, number one, but number two, like amazing that you didn't respond back at me with some like horrible, you know, why are you like this? You know, whatever it is you want to say. But I, I think it's it's such a gift back to the person that gave the feedback because it's a little bit of a mirror for them.
1: Well, well, and you're so right. And what I love about this, and, and it's exciting to me because these are core ideas that I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. is, you know, this is about mastering our emotions and our mm-hmm. emotional reaction, right? Yeah. And so taking the time to uh, cool down the emotional <laughs> temperature around yeah. that. And, and sit with that. And, I, and the other point that you made, which is so powerful, is that when you go back and follow up, you're absolutely right. That it's a great gift to the other person. And here's the other thing. And, and it's one of the key strategies we can use to get high quality feedback. Let people know how we best receive feedback. Because even yeah. if you have feedback for me, Lindsay, if I haven't shared with you, A, that I'm interested in it, and B, the best <laughs> way for you to tell me, you can sit there and uh, you know what it's too big of a risk it's i'm not sure and i don't want to or maybe craig knows about it and so this is such a powerful opportunity to be proactive in this where we can go to people and go hey here's i want to get feedback from you i trust you you're a valued part of my network and here's the best way for me to receive that information and so and hey would you like feedback from me (laughs) and then if so What's the best way for me to give it to you? Back to being the role model for the environment we wanna create. I think
0: there's also a little bit of, um, people say they want feedback, but they they only really want the good feedback. (laughs) And I think that needs to like go by the wayside. If you're saying you want feedback, you want the pluses and the minuses and you have to be willing to listen and grow. And again, it's a vulnerable position to put yourself in, but if you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of people that say yes all the time, you're not going to grow either. So you want people to challenge you to make you better.
1: You're absolutely right. Otherwise it becomes an echo chamber and then, Hey, how awesome am I? And everyone's, yeah, you're awesome. And then we just keep doing the same thing over and over (laughs) and over again. And it's (laughs) not, We all have challenges back to, you know, Alan's business plan review, right? We have green, yellow, and reds every single day. Mm -hmm. And so, and to pretend otherwise is a recipe for failure. And so now what we want to do is just say, okay, yeah, let's gather that feedback. Where am I, what are, what's a key strength that I bring to the table? What's a key challenge, right? Where can I serve you better? and, And where do I serve you well? and have a balanced approach to that so I can continue to do the things that are having a positive impact and then make changes, meaningful changes in the gaps that are there.
0: So this was like a beautiful segue into authenticity, which is such a buzzword right now. And everybody's talking about how you got to be authentic. You got to show up and authenticity is everything. I want your perspective on authenticity because it's. I'm hearing it so much right now. It almost feels forced. Like, I'm so authentic. Like, you can trust me. It. You know. It's. It's like too much. But I want to hear your perspective.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And and I agree. It's one of those. And 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 it's one of those qualities that um, uh, that I that I that I spend a lot of time thinking about. And I think and and one co- topic of conversation. You know, it's like, well, what if my authentic self is a bit of a jerk? Like, what if I. <laughs> You know, if, what if I'm really ornery and unfriendly or I've got this really unhappy look on my face? And so a couple of things around it, because what's interesting that I find in the space around authentic leadership is in a lot of cases, pe- people over-index authentic and under-index leadership. Because really what leadership about is about bringing out the best in a group of individuals, right? Yes. It's about moving forward. So for me, I like to bring balance to the force, right? So don't forget the leadership side of authentic, because if you're not bringing people along, well, that's not leadership.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The other piece that I would say, and, and it ties nicely to what we were just talking about, is having an honest appraisal about who I am. What are the, and we talked about humility early on, which I think is a beautiful bridge too, right? What is humility? A lot of times people think it's weakness. No, humility is I have an understanding of the strengths that I bring to the table. And I also have an understanding of the gaps. Mm -hmm. And so from an authentic leadership perspective, particularly on the, the, the challenges like again if I tend to be combative or if I tend to be a little you know I have a stoic outlook or I tend to be pretty serious well these are wonderful and the coaching work that I do I'll say hey let people know all of us have our natural tendencies. so the more that you can empower people and let them know hey just like the example we talked about a few minutes ago I might come across as combative or angry that's not my intention it's it's a natural style that I have. Please let me know. Everyone goes. You know what? That's awesome. That's great. I you know I I I have my things too. And so the more we can let people into our universe, yeah. the better. And I think the real the real key, as well as and 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 I find this also in terms of people go. Oh well, you know that's who I am. This is the other thing. Authenticity. Oh. I find the big gap is. It's like it. an excuse. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Be an excuse to be a bully. Well, that's just my, pro- you know, that's who I am deal with it. It's not my issue. Again, in a leadership position, that's not in any position, leadership in particular, mm-hmm. that's not leadership. That's not leader behavior. Yeah, to so me, now what's really critical is how do we show up in a way that's going to drive our, our success?
0: Yeah. To me, it's misusing radical candor. Yes. And And to me, I mean, radical candor is not the ability to go be brutally honest to everyone you meet. Radical candor is being able to give feedback in a positive way that teaches someone, you know, I want to give you this feedback because I think it's going to make you better. And I believe in you and I have faith in you. And this is why I'm doing it. And I think (laughs) this whole leadership style of like, oh, I'm going to be honest. Would you want me to lie to you? (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe a little. (laughs)
1: And you're so right. I mean, the radical candor. And again, it's a great idea. And then what happens is, is that people take the headline, Mm -hmm. and then just use it as okay, well, then I can be a bully. I'm just being honest. And coming back to and again, the Alan Mulally, you don't disrespect never a joke at someone else's expense. You don't make a personal attack. You can comment and explore an issue or an idea. It's not personal.
0: Mm. All right. What do you think the future of leadership looks like? Because we've gone <laughs> through this pandy and we're talking about how they need to evolve. What's going to happen?
1: Well, I think uh, we're going to continue to go through an extraordinary uh, pace of change. The The VUCA environment, as it's often called, right? The volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity is just going to go even higher And I feel now leadership, that agility, the agility in thinking, and in particular, and this is why I was really excited to be here and and speak with you today, the focus on compassionate Mm. cultures and humanistic leadership and authentic connection and conversation, that is an invaluable currency. If you look at, which we haven't even talked about, you look at the broader environment of AI, right, and technology, Mm -hmm we need to what is our competitive advantage as human beings it's doing things that ai and technology they're behind us and so those quote-unquote soft skills are in they are challenging to acquire and they're going to become even more mission critical as we move into the future because that's going to be where the difference is, right? Mm-hmm. And if and if we're no better, if if someone just as well can interact with a computer as they can with a human being, right. or it's even worse to interact with a human being, we're in a lot of trouble. So I feel like that humanistic side of work is going to be that's going to be top of mind, and you see it now mm-hmm. in the Great Resignation. You see it in terms of what people are looking for in in work cultures and the type of work that they do. This is going to be at the top of the food chain in terms of uh, priorities.
0: Oh, well, I gotta say, Craig, this is like you're my new my new muse because you're you're putting the science behind everything I know to be true, and this was such validation that we're on the right track, we're doing the right thing. And um, as you know, I'm fiercely passionate about making this world a better place for people to work. Um, So I love the work that you're doing. And I'm so grateful that you were here today. How can people find you?
1: Oh, well, thank you. And, And I have to say, I love this is something that to me is just an absolute privilege and pleasure for me is to be able to connect with like minded people. And I love how enthusiastic how passionate you are about positive workplaces and 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 positive leadership and compassionate cultures and getting people to think about how we treat one another. So thanks to you to for putting okay. this together and and you know amplifying this conversation because this is really important because you look at the media and everything else sometimes. it's where is this? And so yeah. to create this conversation, I, I just absolutely love it. So if people want to connect uh, my website, craigdowden.com, uh, they can please uh, reach out on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. Say Lindsay sent you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so please do. That
1: would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'd be happy. And, uh, and, and they're uh, absolute, uh, the best ways uh, to connect. Subscribe to the podcast. It's on Spotify and Amazon and Google and all of those apples. So please all check podcasts. out the do good to lead well podcast. And uh, this has just been an absolute pleasure for me.
0: Oh, likewise, my friend, I have, this is the beginning of a long friendship. So thank you so much, everyone for listening and stay tuned for another episode of heartbeat for hire. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at h 4 h or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.